The first time I ever worked in education, I was 11 years old myself, and I worked with preschool students for an entire school year where I would go after school and help them learn. Uh, that was really the start of it formally for हेलो पीपल हाय दिस इज जैगन वेलकम टू हैशटैग सिंग ओरिजिनल पॉडकास्ट जहाँ इस पॉडकास्ट का मकसद ये है उन तमाम लोगों से जुड़ना जो कहीं ना कहीं और किसी ना किसी तरह से लोगों को इंस्पायर करिए सो बेसिकली इट्स एम इज टू इग्नाइट एंड इंस्पायर ह्यूमंस थ्रू ह्यूमंस सो टुडे द पर्सन हु माई एम इंटरव्यूइंग इज एन ऑसम टीचर फ्रॉम कैनेडा हैविंग इंटरप्रीनोरशिप इन हिज ब्लड ही इज द फाउंडर ऑफ जस्ट कीप लर्निंग एंड रनिंग आ एट बिलियन पीपल प्रोजेक्ट Allow me to welcome Justin Nolan. Hello Justin, hi this is Jag and warm welcome to this podcast and I'm very thankful to you sir for your time and yeah let's begin with your journey. What's your story? Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor and a privilege to be on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh my story is a long one, but the short version is that I'm currently a teacher in Ottawa, Canada. I have my principal papers and have some experience in school administration with a master's in education, a learning in psychology, and uh have always had a focus on working with marginalized youth, youth who struggle with special needs um and mental health struggles. and it's my true passion and vocation that runs through everything i do uh, but i've always had uh, a side hustle in entrepreneurship and youth mental health learning uh blogging podcasting video that kind of thing that supports what i do day to day with my students my current side hustle work is to create a blog vlog and podcast at justkeeplearning.ca that brings the voices of everyone from all around the world whoever wants to submit a guest post to the website and whether it's video blog or podcast the idea is that we just have as much learning from everyone as possible collaboration teamwork community that's global and really stems into any topic any passion or any interest uh, hopefully you'll submit one someday that'd be great for sure for sure will submit something in future and it would be my honor to be part of your journey your project and um, in brief what is 8 billion people project and just keep learning the idea behind the 8 billion people project is just to play on words a lot of the haters on the internet will say things like you're never going to get 8 billion people in the time that you're alive or do you realize that only half of those people have access to internet or uh you know so and so will never tell their story this many people will never tell a story uh the idea behind it is it's just a play on words because you know as we get closer and closer to having 8 billion people in the world um the notion is that we can learn from everybody everybody has a great story to share typically they as individuals don't believe that their story is special but it really is and i have a lot of experience in working with not only youth but adults alike in all walks of life in sharing their stories 
through video or written word or audio. And what I recognize is, as individuals, we often don't think that these stories are special, but they truly are. And they can help at least one or maybe many more people learn from those stories. Uh, the, all, the other idea behind it being global and being everybody is that if you look at some of the greatest podcasts out there, some of the greatest videos, granted there are circumstances to becoming busy and being an influencer, but beyond the circumstances of being busy, uh, when someone makes it in the podcast world or the YouTube space, they start collaborating only with other people who are kind of on their level, who have a big following, who can support their current level. While through the come up, they're willing to collaborate with anyone. By creating the hashtag 8 billion people project, it just reminds me, helps me stay grounded to the idea that regardless of whether I have Ellen create a guest post or do a video with Dan Mace or Casey Neistat, the idea is that the next one could be scribing for a homeless person on the corner or one of my students who struggle with schizophrenia or depression, uh, just the like. You know, they might not even have social media, but they could be that next interview after a big one, and there's no reason not to. So getting everybody's knowledge all over the world, regardless of language barriers, there's access and opportunity to overcoming those barriers in today's day and age, and having that those stories in one space would be a pretty neat project. So just keep learning ca the whole just keep learning mindset you know if you want to be the best singer in the world or the best uh, author you just keep learning day in and day out um, not really worrying about the expectations so that's the idea behind the just keep learning mindset i do daily writing on the blog i think it's something that everybody would benefit from daily writing and so i do that at just keep learning but it's also a place to uh house the guest posts that people do. Um, so over time, I mean, it's new, but over time, as people submit guest posts, either in writing, podcast, or video form, it'll be a space that people can go to. Uh, long term, there will probably be courses, ebooks, that kind of thing that people can just continue to learn from in that space. That's a very huge project for sure. All the best for it. And now, uh, I don't know about the formal education system in Canada, but in India, sometimes teachers try to change too much all at once. Their teaching falls to pieces and students got really frustrated. So what's your take on this? When we try and change too much about the way things are done at the same time, if we're playing sort of the puppet master and making those changes ourselves, then no doubt it can create too much chaos and confusion to the point where... Uh, people maybe aren't learning, right? There's not that measurability to the learning goals. Um, but I think it starts with asking, what is school for? What's the purpose in the micro of that classroom you're in or that learning relationship, whether it's just between teacher and student or teacher and group of students? What are our goals that matter most? Now, interesting thing is, what is dumb and interesting question? I mean, smart question. So, how student can ask effective question in classroom? In order to ask effective questions in the classroom, I think the first thing that has to happen is there needs to be a safe space. 
um, students need to, over time, have developed an appreciation that there are really not such a thing as dumb questions, uh, that it's a safe place to ask things that are unknown. Um, I think the idea behind design thinking, behind a feedback loop, um, that there's not really an absolute end goal, but we continue to learn. And again, it goes back to that just keep learning mindset. This is the idea. There's not a yes, no, right, wrong when it comes to these questions. What questions are coming out of a book that's meant to be used as a tool? And so modeling the idea that questioning everything is where learning starts is how you lead the great questions in the classroom. Setting an example by showing them what a good question looks like, uh, what open-ended questions are designed like, and also teaching them how they can use prompts that lead to more open-ended questions can also be an effective way of specifically and in practical terms helping them understand what great questions look like. Absolutely. I agree on this that more question equal to more learning and more learning equal to more effective questions and setting an examples before is a great idea for sure. So, okay, now I always wanted to ask this questions to teachers especially. Do you really find degrees are worth it? what students should actually chase studies or i mean formal education or whatever field he or she is really interested now this is a fun but huge question when it comes to university degrees specifically formalized diplomas i think it's important that we recognize that accreditation is important for quite a number of fields in today's day and age I certainly, if I had to consult with a lawyer or had to have some form of surgery, would want those people to be formally trained in something very highly regulated and defined. Um, how they learn within those programs is something that could be up for debate, but I think that's a whole other topic. In terms of the degrees themselves, I think there are those fields that, that uh, it's important to maintain a system around. Now, with respect to learning whatever someone is interested in or passionate about, I think it's possible. And when I work with students, I remind them and help them find ways to actually do this to be able to um, still pursue your passions while pursuing some formalized education. So a recent student who's very interested in becoming a traditional general practitioner medical doctor, I was saying, don't ever give up your cartooning skills. She likes creating comics and doing cartoons. You know, it's possible with uh, lifestyle systems and success habits to carve out that 15 minutes a day, 365 days a year, where you're still drawing while you're going to med school. Uh, there's really no excuses to not give up on the dream stuff if at any one moment that pops because you get an opportunity to work for a magazine or work for a newspaper or try out a project for a company like Netflix or Amazon. You just never know when someone will uh, discover you in the creative fields. Same goes for music, dance, photography, clothing, doesn't really matter. But the idea of identifying what your, your pursuit of passion and, and dreams are and still doing those things while pursuing the formalized education. Uh, when it comes to other fields, I love the idea of not having 
uh, phony degree, so to speak. Uh, great story um, from Steve Jobs before he passed, uh, giving advice to those David and Tom Kelly who started the IDEO school, um, saying that nobody wants one of your phony degrees. Make sure that the emphasis and the focus is on the design of instruction and students coming from there over time will pave a reputation that people will want to hire them. That in and of itself, because the learning is the priority, not the paper, that people will start to appreciate that it's the best school around. And you don't need to say anything more than, that's where I learned. That's where I participated in learning and design thinking. And then it becomes the ultimate goal in and of itself is the learning. So I think you're on to something there with the idea of doing away with degrees in many fields um, as opposed to designing ways that people can learn. Back to the Just Keep Learning website, specifically there when posting a PDF or posting a blog post, that's the exact hope that people can learn about philosophy, can learn about digital marketing, can learn about photography or video creation, all from going there. Maybe someday paid to support the program, but moreover, mostly for free, because learning doesn't just stop at a degree or a credit or an accreditation. See audience, I mean, listen audience, this is the reason why I said he's an awesome teacher and I respect whatever he has said. And moving to the next portion, is social media creating barrier between um, teacher and students or is it a great tool to develop connection deeply? If yes, how social media can bring actual change in the gap between teachers and students' thought process? This is an interesting one. I'm starting to think that each of our sub-questions for this podcast could have been an hour-long episode in and of itself. I'm sure we could have some great conversations. When it comes to social media, first off, I'll give a little personal experience. I didn't really partake in social media. You know, I had the accounts, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, that's actually it, just Twitter and Facebook, but never really used them. I certainly didn't use them for education or learning much. Um, and this year, I started to recognize, uh, of course, in my teaching experiences, I only teach typically between one and eight students at a time. It's very small because of the uh, mental health needs that they have. But beyond that, even if we have a classroom of 30, 40 students a day times four, it's still only 100 and some students we have access to. I've started having opportunities to work with students all over the world, frankly, and really appreciate that beyond formal boxes of classrooms, we can do a lot of teaching in this world. And I don't see a better tool than social media to create those opportunities, to bring our knowledge, our wisdom to the world. I used to think that social media was very self-serving. Uh, the influencer culture, um, kind of like Back in the day when the rap game first entered the idea of advertisements and marketing where people were mad because the OGs uh, thought that it should be a pure game and those to take on their first opportunities like MC Hammer to flip that game and make monetizing opportunities. Kind of like that, I was sort of old school thinking that education should be completely free, that 
we have it formalized for a reason and that anyone who's entering the social media space it's because um, they're out to serve themselves what i've recognized this year is that we can use that space very much in service of others very much to bring value to others and so instead of bashing social media instead of saying that it's such a negative thing let's all if we are the supportive ones the ones who know how to help our students out let's all get to that space let's get to the social media spaces and let's start helping there instead of thinking that it's going to go away or creating systems around getting rid of it it's here to stay forever so we might as well get there and help out uh, from a straight curriculum and learning standpoint too again it breaks down barriers right you don't have to find a way to get each other in the same room in the same country in the same city let alone to learn you can learn online and the more the generations come up knowing only that it won't be foreign to them so i think as older educators um, we need to check our own egos and learn to educate in the spaces of social media which isn't easy i mean literally just this year in 2019 is when i started really uh, jumping into those waters with both feet true social media is a really a great tool to um to fill up those gap barrier between teacher and students and uh, old generation should use instead of bashing but okay what's your daughter wants to be when she will grow up now by the way glory is very cute and i really love your insta story about her now imagine if she'll say that she's not interested in chasing formal education and wants to become a freelancer videographer footballer or whatever whatever she want to pursue strictly without going into any other formal education so what's your reaction would be this question about my daughter about chloe is more exciting to answer than you even know um, if she were to want to go into something non-formal education wise i would entirely support that in fact it's um, my belief and expectation that her generation as pretty young teenagers as older children will uh, be getting into entrepreneurial ventures themselves uh, i mean she paints and we create little artwork out of that digitally and she does these things that are already somewhat entrepreneurially at least they're creative in their own right and you know she's only uh, six years old so I see that she'll already have experience in these areas. If she wants to be a singer, that's fine. And I think just like my students, that's part of the thing is that in today's day and age, no matter what you want to do, there's opportunity for it. And I would support her in mostly learning on her own how those opportunities exist. But I would also be able to support giving her a framework around accomplishing them, which is essentially about building habits and skills that are the same for everyone whether it's dance music or painting it's something that um, is a transferable skill to be able to build systems and habits that support your goals and dreams now um, without going into too much detail because her story is her story to share publicly someday if she wants to but chloe is adopted and had a 
fairly difficult, traumatic infancy um, and upbringing prior to us adopting her at two years old. Um, the Children's Aid Society, who supported us in the adoption during the interviews, were very adamant that we support her in whatever she wants to do and had a particular concern that I have so many formal education uh, degrees and things on my resume, thinking that, not really knowing me, thinking that I would potentially put pressure on this person who may well be um, more of a creative, free-flowing um, practitioner as an adult. And so to me, I, I once I recognized what they were saying, I almost laughed because I always put an emphasis on values for my students and my children just the same. I created a poster when Chloe moved in with us that has a mantra on it. It's just got four words. It says, I am kind, I am creative, I am awesome, I am grateful, and that's it. it I hope that I create opportunities for her to be those things. She can be those things as a freelancer in any field, as a footballer, or if she does go into being a doctor, which she says she wants to do right now, funny enough. <laughs> yeah, I really find it's funny and cute at the same time because every daughter's in this world, in her uh, childhood days, mostly, not all, mostly wants to become a doctor. Uh, by the way, all the best to her. And I'm happy that you are supporting her in every decision of her life. And I want to say to Glory that you got really an awesome dad. And all the best to your future. And let's move to our next question that what are the changes you want to bring to this education system personally? The things that I would like to see personally change about education are certainly things that are on paper, in books, uh, already being talked about changing when it comes to education. Uh, if you're part of the Twitter community globally with respect to education, there's a lot of talk about things like putting an emphasis on transferable skills, such as collaboration, community, communication, critical thinking. The ideas that essentially robots can't do on their own. Anything that can't be automated to the point where the robots can do it or where we should focus our emphasis around education on. Beyond that, and even more importantly, arguably, is an emphasis on social, emotional, mental health as the foundation to all education. There's no point in teaching someone to do a math problem if they can't go 20 minutes without a panic attack. Um, but in terms of what I think on a personal level, a personal mandate around education is, is again, just this idea of bridging the gap between learning and education and really putting more of an emphasis on what learning means. It's unbelievable to me how little time we spend on the psychology of learning in teachers' college, in teachers' development programs, as professional development for schools and staffs. Um, you, know, you can go through a 30, 40 year career and I sit down with you for dinner and talk about learning and somehow 
you still don't really know how people learn. Um, so that fascinates me, I think, in terms of teacher training. That's where we really need to focus more on is how people learn best. Now, what's your advice to a multipotentialite like me who is dealing with a lot of project anxiety, stress, a stress of uh, project completion? So how to manage time effectively? Is there anything you personally use to manage your time? The multi-potential stuff is awesome. Uh, to me, it's an exact example of when students dream big or have so many ideas, how we break it down for them. And that would be similar to your uh, pursuit of all of your goals right now is building a system and habit that supports all of the great potential you have without getting too lost and anxious in all of them. And the most important thing is recognizing that we need to prioritize. Um, it's also recognizing that it's a forever pursuit to get better at prioritizing and that our priorities change. Beyond that, though, building a system like taking the top 25 things you would like to accomplish at random, mind map, brainstorm, but then rank order them in level of importance. Of your top five, ask how much time per day do you need to spend to make those successful? If your top one is like be the best footballer in the world, then you're probably only going to be able to pick that one priority because it takes so much practice and emphasis on it. If it's write a book, start a podcast, create videos, much like mine is, then you can have kind of three priorities you know, three, four, or five, maybe, maybe five. I wouldn't go beyond five. But circle those top one to five things that you need to work on every day and then set a habit in stone that you can review monthly or review every couple months, but set in stone day by day. So if it's to write a book, then every day from... 7.30 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. It's only 15 minutes, but every single day you're going to work on writing that book. And over the course of weeks, months, and certainly a year, that adds up to a lot of time. You're going to see a lot of success in that area. Um, I think it was Warren Buffett that I first heard attributed to this idea. But again, top 25, pull your top three or five out of that and then build systems and habits specifically on those only and ignore and say no to everything else. Definitely we'll try this for sure and we'll tell you about this result, the outcome and uh, let's move to the next and the last question. We got any one superpower, what it would be? One superpower that I would like to have. Um, it's an interesting question because when I've seen that posed at conferences or workshops, I find that people get their back up about it. They take it a little bit too literally and um, think that there should be some rational answer and they, in, in humility and being humble, say, I don't have any superpowers. I'm just human. Um, so I appreciate that. I kind of believe in that mentality as well, um, that we're all just human, all the 8 billion of us. We'll just be doing our best 
that none of us are really super. That said, I do have a project right now that if I could, ideally, I would be collaborating in person with way more people. So teleporting or flying really fast like Superman, but regardless, transportation-based, getting places very quickly would definitely be the superpower that I could use right now. Um, as I've entered the social media world and started collaborating, you know, DMs with people and having conversations with all these amazing uh, teachers, frankly, not formal educators per se, but teachers, I know that their knowledge, their wisdom, their ideas around um, how to learn, what to learn, and really cool things would make for awesome collaborations. Someday when I look back on the justkeeplearning.ca and 8 billion people project hashtag, I want to be able to tell the story that true collaboration took place at every corner of that project. And this is a difficult thing for people, but meaning if I filmed a video with someone in New York City, we quickly got together at a coffee shop, opened up a napkin, got out a pen, wrote down a storyboard, went and made the video. Um, you know, if I create a hoodie with a company, if I create an ebook with someone who's an expert in something like depression and anxiety, but I add the educational component, it's because we hopped on a call or we met up, got out a mind map, got out a storyboard and created this collaboration together. Um, I think that's underrated in today's day and age. And I would love to be able to go tomorrow or this evening to Texas to work with a poet who I had chatted with on Instagram who puts out just amazing stuff and I'm sure would love to kick it for an hour and create a video on how to be a great poet. But can't get there. So definitely flying fast or teleporting would be the superpower that would be amazing for this project. Thank you so much, Justine, for your valuable time. I appreciate and your thought process are quite inquisitive, man. Your students are really very blessed because they got you as a mentor. Keep hustling, keep smiling. Have a great day ahead. Thank you so much again. Jag, I just want to say thank you for having me on your podcast. It's been an honor and a privilege to be able to share this conversation with you discuss ideas around education, learning, and how we can support youth globally. And I actually, just a quick story, have a colleague who's from India who has always told me that it would be great to be able to teach students from there that they would really benefit and that I could bring them value. I never would have known the first place to start, really. So it's been uh, a great opportunity to be able to share these ideas with you. I really appreciated the conversation and look forward to many more. Thank you. Thank you so much, people, for listening to this podcast and for sharing so much love to my previous episode. I'm really touched and blessed. Thank you so much. And there is no uh, bloopers in the end this time. Your jag is improving, man. Thank you so much. Again, have a great day, Ed. <laughs> I mean, I really mean, have a great day and take care.